0: Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Get the inside track on 20 top business trends for 2020 from Joe Block. Joel's insights bring Wall Street to your street. So, you can profit from the inside in 2020. Just text the word trend to 7200. That's 72000 and download your free copy today. Grab your phone and get the inside track on business trends that affect you and your business. Just text the word trend to 7200 for your copy now. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block insights to give your business the inside track. And now here's your host, Joel Block.
1: You ever wonder how to make your company distinctive, sometimes distinctive to the point of it being iconic? To tell us how and answer that question, Scott McCain. Scott, how are you? Joel, I'm terrific.
2: Gosh, it's good talking to you.
1: God, I, you know, you have such a cool voice. You know, you you, you,
2: you sound like we're on the radio together right now. <laughs> I'm going to do time and traffic here at any second. It's, uh, <laughs> but you're an old time radio guy, right? You know, I've got, yeah, I'm an old radio guy. I've got a lot of buddies that say I've got a face just made for radio. So, <laughs> so I, 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 need, I need better friends. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, uh,
1: doing, you know, you add that to my girlish figure and then we got the whole package. <laughs>
2: I got to tell you, one of the most thrilling days I ever had, I had never been to a television taping before, and uh, I, I was in the Los Angeles area, and my wife said, let's go see a TV taping, and so we went, and I had the chance to meet Rick Dees, and he asked me if I wanted to come in and sit in the studio the next morning, and I said at Kiss FM in Los Angeles uh, watching Rick Dees do his show, and it was one of the great, I, I thought, man, I'm an amateur at this thing. When I you mean, see come on, like, that guy was like on the radio when I was a kid, like in the 70s. Yeah, yeah, this this would have been in the '90s, but he was still yeah. still going strong. And then uh, when I left radio, uh, the gal that took my place, I trained her how to how to work in radio at this small station. And uh, her name is Ellen Kay, who is now in Los Angeles, and she was Rick D's sidekick. And then as the sidekick now with um, the guy that hosts American Idol, Ryan Seacrest, she's oh, now yeah, his yeah. his sidekick. So it's kind of a small world. She ended up working for Rick D's and. I remember uh, in Columbus, Indiana, telling her about. Oh my gosh, you can't believe I got to sit in with Rick. <laughs> so life is strange—the twists and turns. Yeah. So let's get to business here. So
1: uh, you bet. So you're you're a prolific keynote speaker. You you travel all over the country and around the world. You've got some of the the best clients, big companies. Thanks. And your whole thing is is distinction. It's a distinction to the point of becoming iconic. Yeah. And and I really want to kind of tear into this because sure. a lot of companies don't have any distinction at all, let alone get to the next level. So help us understand first, what's the difference between those things? And then how do we get there?
2: Distinction means that you stand out in your particular field or your particular industry. Uh, one of the things I'm a big believer of is that if if we don't know what sets us apart from the competition, h- how in the world are our customers going to get it? How How in the world are our employees going to get it? Uh, the National Retail Federation did a study, and and they said about seventy percent of frontline people in any business cannot answer the question: Why is it better to buy from you than the competition? Our, our own people don't know w- why somebody should buy from us as opposed to, the, you know, the, a competitor in our in our marketplace. So distinction means that we've created the strategy and executed the tactics that make us stand out. That there's a reason that that customers would pick us or employees would choose to work for us we've risen to the top of our, our particular field
1: okay so so there but there are there are several different words that are kind of all related uh, yeah. what, what's positioning branding how, how does that tie into distinctive I, I mean how, how do these things work together
2: well th- there are all elements in it but I, I see folks with uh, that think they have brands and their brand evidently is that their logo is yellow instead of red. You know, there's no there's nothing that they do that is compelling and 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 at the end of the day that's that's the best yardstick you know people say how do you measure distinction and and one of the things that I say is you know you, look you can do surveys and you can say who's the best in their field you can do surveys and say you know who stands out the most but but to me it is repeat referral business if if customers are coming back to buy more from you And if they're recommending you to their friends and colleagues, then there must be something about you that they find compelling. So yeah, positioning is important. How you position yourself is critical. How you brand yourself, your business is critical, but that doesn't ensure distinction. It's just like I hear these folks saying, well, different is the best, you know, different is better than better. No, it's not. I I can slap every customer in the face and it makes me different. Right? I mean, that would be that be really differentiated. You got come in here and I'll, I'll punch in the mouth, but, but no customer is going to repeat their business. I see a lot of folks that confuse differentiation with distinction, and and that leads us down a bad pathway because it it implies that if we do something different, that customers will be attracted to it. No, it has to be something meaningful for that customer, not not for us. <laughs> Well, see, you're not going to say meaningful for every single customer. I
1: mean, is it all is it going to kind of be in a bucket that many people find meaningful? I mean, how how do you
2: how do you organize that? I always compare it to show business. You know, 20 some years ago, my first book was all business is show business. So if we think about how, how a movie is created, very few movies are built so that the entire world would come see it. They have target markets. Um, You know, I I watched a movie last night that was kind of an art film that uh, was meant for the serious moviegoer. Now, there aren't going to be lunchboxes that they sell kids to to carry a mother lunchbox to school. You know, there's not going to be all these assorted things like Disney would do with, you know, the live action version of Lion King. So they, they have a very precise audience. And I I think that's how we have to approach our business is that we're not all things to all people. Let me give you a specific example in a smaller business. I do a lot of work with financial advisors and I met an advisor and became friends with an advisor in Florida. And she only works with people associated with the sport of polo. Really? That's it. Wow. If you don't have polo ponies or if you're not involved in polo, then she'll refer you to somebody else. That exclusivity is what has driven her success. Now I realized you know, if you're looking for wealthy people, Polo is a pretty good place, right? I, I wouldn't go to the bowling alley and, and say, I only deal with, you know, people in bowling leagues. Yeah, nothing wrong with that, but it's just, it's not the type of client that that type of advisor would be looking for. So her, her exclusivity, her precision in choosing her target market is part of what's contributed to her distinction. Just as if we were making a movie, we would think about, okay, who's this for? Who's gonna see it? And then everything would be geared toward not getting the whole world to come see her movie, but our specific target market. Action films, gee, what a shock. They, they, they buy spots on ESPN to get guys to go see action movies. Um, you know, romance, what they call a rom-com, the romantic comedy, uh, guess where they buy ads? Lifetime, you know, they, they know their target audience and, and we have to be just as precise. I have four cornerstones to distinction. Uh, these are the four things that you have to do to, to, to create distinction. And, and the first and foremost, I mean, the, the, the foundation of it is clarity. you you got to be absolutely precise about who and what you are, who your target market is, and, and where you go from there.
1: You know, my experience is that, um, you know, smaller companies especially have this problem, medium-sized companies yeah. do too. Um, they don't want to define the market because they might miss somebody in their definition uh, and and your polo uh, advisor is just such a great example because a lot of advisors would say if you have money, you're my prospect yeah. and and that pretty yeah. much uh, doesn't work because if everybody's your thing, nobody's your thing, right?
2: Well, you're exactly right, and you know one of the joke I use with advisors is, well, if 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 that's your criteria, you ought to you ought to be prospecting at the convenience store because that's where winning lottery tickets are sold. You know, I mean, <laughs> if, if, if money's all it takes, why not why not go there? You know, and and it, it, we you're you're so right, Joe. We we just finished a, a couple other of our speaker friends, uh, Larry Winget and Randy Pennington, and I do a program every year called the Ultimate Business Summit. And it's for small businesses, but the three of us all grew up in in families that, uh, you know, we grew up in very, very modest circumstances with uh, uh, entrepreneurs as parents. And and we realized that as we speak to these huge companies that there's there's something missing for smaller business people. So we put on this program every year. And I I think if you were to define the number one challenge that these folks face, we have everything from mortgage brokers to, you know, uh, chimney sweeps to landscapers, on and on and on that, that attend this program. And the, the, you hit on the number one thing that they all have in common that, as a problem is that they think, gosh, if, if, if I refine my business, then I'm going to exclude these prospects. And so we become all things to all people. Joel, it was true in my speaking business. You know, when I started out speaking, I was a nice guy who could give a good speech, you know, and, and who books that? Uh, but unless you're at the bottom of the barrel, if you, if you wanted time management, okay, I'll put that together. Stress management. Yeah. I'll be stressed to put this together. I'll, I'll figure it out. You know, I, I, people say, what do you talk about? I'd say about an hour. I I had absolutely no clarity other than I, I, I wanted to check to give a speech. And it wasn't until I started doing this process that you're talking about here that, that things happened for me in my business. So I know it'll work for us.
1: You know, um, it's not a coincidence that bigger companies get bigger because they get more targeted. And yes. little companies, I just, I've seen this, you know, and as, as companies go from little to medium-sized to bigger, uh, they really, they start peeling away the customers. You know, uh, professional uh, professional people, CPAs and attorneys, they have to cut away certain clients from the bottom by raising their fees. Yeah. And, they, and they just... They over time, you sort of get better at picking, uh, you know, the right people. And the sooner you start picking the right people, the better. But not everybody has the ability to say no. That's that's the hard part is when you when you get the ability to say no is when you really start
2: to grow. You're so right. You know, that's part of what I love about what you're doing, Joel. I, I grew up uh, near Louisville, Kentucky. I grew up on the Indiana side of the river, but near Louisville, Kentucky. So you go to Churchill Downs and you'd watch the horses run. And without fail, where did they want to be? They wanted to be to use your phrase on the inside want to be track. On the inside track. That's it. It's not that. Hey, we're going to run anywhere on the track we want. It's that winners run on the inside. Why? Well, it's shorter. It's faster. It's the way to get there. And it's exactly what you're talking about. It's it's picking a lane, right? Every jockey wanted to be in that lane, but they didn't want to run on the on the far outside. Yeah. Well, listen, the people who
1: listen to the show know that. They make more money by being on the inside track. That's why we call it profit from the inside, you know, is, and, and that's it. And, and people from Wall Street, where I've kind of spent my lifetime, uh, you know, in the money business, uh, have the inside track on all kinds of things for business people. And all of the things that we bring together, including things like the marketing, the branding and the issues that you're bringing up, being distinctive to the point of becoming iconic, uh, really are part of the formula that these companies need to adopt.
2: And the execution of that formula is is essential. But if you don't know what the formula is, how in the world do you expect your customers to to understand? So, Heck, your your employees aren't even going to get it, right? Unless you uh, unless you're very precise about it, which is why clarity is the the first corner. Well, that's,
1: that's a little it's a little bit uh, frightening to me that the, that that the employees don't know what their own companies do. I mean that is an enormous problem that uh, that that we deal with from time to time, but let's go to the bottom of the formula and let's talk. Are there some questions that people should be asking that will help them to start figuring out, uh, you know, what they're going to do, or if they're already distinctive, how they go to the next level? So, what are some of the things they need to think about, or ask, or consider? The
2: the the first question is. And I think this is the primary question we all need to be asking in our respective businesses: Why would a customer choose us instead of the competition? What is so unique about our products or our services or our customer experience that customers would decide to choose us rather than the competition? And for many of us in business, you know, the the, the stocks or bonds or financial instruments or the the type of car or the you know, uh, machinery, whatever it might be, whatever we sell, people can get something pretty similar to that down the road, right? I mean, it's hard to differentiate on a product specific basis these days. So for most of us, for, uh, 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 yeah, probably most of us, I was going to say many of us, but probably most, for most of us, uh, it's not going to be found in product differentiation. It's going to be found in there's something that we do and how we run our business or how we see the world or how we approach you know, a a customer's problem that's going to be unique. If we don't have that, right, to be a customer, I mean, this is, you know, this is is business 101, but to be a customer, it means I have to choose you. It's not that I choose you. It's that I choose you instead of all of the other of the myriad of alternatives out there in this hyper-competitive marketplace. So why would a customer choose you? Because if I see no difference between you and the competition, now the only way that I – establish some type of difference is, is price, which none of us want to be there. So what we have to do is to find another compelling reason for customers to choose us other than mere price. And that's where how we serve customers. That's, that's the fourth of the four cornerstones is the customer experience focus. Every distinctive organization or individual has so, so what's the best way for a
1: company to uh, either figure this out or if they're much further along to refine this? Uh, do they sit in a board meeting? Uh, do do the partners uh, have a retreat? Do they do surveys of their customers? I mean, what are the best ways that you're seeing companies
2: figure this out and go to the next level? Two things. Number one is they do survey their their customers and and part of what they ask is, you know, why did you choose to do business with us? And've I've worked with companies that are absolutely gobsmacked. By the results. They think it's because of their superior product. And instead it's, I always get in line for this cashier. She's so nice. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's amazing what you're going to find out by asking that the other, the main statistic, by the way, I I can't believe it. I I had this in a book 15 years ago and it's on the, it is the cover article of uh, Harvard business review today, asking the same question, which is, are metrics killing your business? You know, are you so metric focused that you're killing your business? I think we look at the wrong metrics and, and the first metric I'd have a business look at is, you know, take a look at your customers. Now, how many of them repeat their business? Because if, if your marketing is doing a good job, getting them in the tent, but your experience isn't keeping them in the tent, then what you have to do to grow your business is not market more, it's to close the back door and, and, and focus on retention. Uh, too many businesses focus constantly on acquisition, but real growth is the combination of acquisition and retention. And it's creating distinctive strategies that keep your customers there.
1: So give us a couple examples of things that you've seen uh, where companies have, have figured out ways
2: to go from being a little bland to pretty distinctive. Uh, one of our clients is Fairmont Hotels, and uh, we did a, a lot of work with the Fairmont Scottsdale Princess. And gosh, what a what a terrific team! Jack Miller is the CEO General Manager there, and, a, and just a, uh, a an incredible leader. And and part of what they realized was if if you've got this resort hotel in in the desert, we we need to have a better customer experience. So they they went through the process of creating distinction. They got more clear about focusing on the meeting market, they got more clear about making sure that, for example, uh, they changed part of the outside so that there'd be a, a big, beautiful outside bar so that when the convention let out for the day, it was easy to go get a drink and, and, and that. So they, they changed some of the mechanics of that. But then they said, okay, so how do we take it to the next level? Where, what, what can we do to improve on our weaknesses? As you might imagine, one of the slowest times for them was the Christmas time right? Because there's no conferences or conventions going on at the holidays. Uh, people from Phoenix would either go back home to the Midwest or wherever they came from to, to celebrate Christmas with the rest of their family, or you know, they'd have family in, but it wasn't a popular time for them. They decided, let's own Christmas in Phoenix. Let, let's be the place that everyone has to go to so they, they've built it over the years. They now have several million Christmas lights. They have an ice skating rink. It's Disney-esque. It's absolutely stunning and amazing. They now have hundreds of thousands of people that that tour the Fairmont Scottsdale Princess in the holiday season. Now it's become, from one of their lowest occupancy rates, you, you can't get a room there now because so many, now everybody, now families are flying from the Midwest to visit their folks in Phoenix and then the folks in Phoenix and then put them in the hotel so they can stay there. It has been an absolutely incredible transformation because they said, how do we take this aspect of our business and just own this in our community? And it's, it's transformed their business to the point that Jack Miller, the GM CEO, was named general manager of the year for all hotels and resorts uh, all over the nation. <laughs> it, it, it's an absolutely amazing transformation. You, you know
1: what's, uh, what's interesting about that is that it's become a thing you know, the kind of the, the, modern word is it's a thing now. So yeah. uh, does that make it a, iconic? If it's gone from distinction to a thing, is it
2: now, does that make it iconic in that marketplace? Yeah. And that's to me, the definition of iconic is that you, uh, y- you transcend your particular category. So what the Fairmont has become to your point, Joel, you're exactly right. It is not just a great hotel during the holidays. It is the place for everyone to go. It's the place for everyone to see. Um, I've got a buddy that works at ESPN, Sage Steele, and I, she took her family there and she called me and said, Oh my gosh, I had no idea. It's so fantastic. Uh, it's going to be a Christmas tradition. Well, then ESPN moves her back to Connecticut to, to anchor sports center, but she's still going to take her kids, their family that now, now it becomes a family trip, right? Because it's that it's, exciting. It's and become, that's become a thing.
1: I mean, it's like, it's a, a thing you got right? you know, to do, right? And Here's what's crystal clear about it. And this, this is over and over again, is great questions produce great answers they asked yes. a great question and they got great answers and they probably had a whole the whole whiteboard full of uh, possible answers and maybe they did some of them maybe they did all of them you know or maybe uh, they did many of them or who knows what they did but uh, great questions produce great answers so you got to sit around a, a table with your team and you got to focus on questions uh, some are going to be uncomfortable or irri- irritating uh, some are going to be, uh, you know, just uh, exactly right, but you have to address it, and that's what uh, creates the brainstorming, and that that that's an an awesome outcome.
2: So, yeah, it it's it's been incredible for them, but it's it's also provided a lot of joy for their for their customers, both the repeat customers who keep coming back every year and the new customers that they attract. And see, there we go. The the people who has been there once and enjoyed it go back every year. So They've retained that. What business. What was your role? In, in that process. Did you have a role in that
1: process with them?
2: One of the, as a matter of fact, they're, they're the genesis of the book Iconic because they were saying, we went through this process of distinction. Uh, now what's next? And it, Joel, as crazy as it sounds, it had never occurred to me before. I'd written a book on how you create distinction, but not how you sustain it or how you take it to the highest level and jokingly around breakfast one morning they said oh, well next will be iconic and it just it was the light bulb over the head you know is that aha moment yes iconic that's that's the next thing <laughs> so you know they had already started the christmas thing we we tried to stimulate discussions about how do you how do you make this iconic and that and that became their theme is is it, just having this christmas tradition makes us distinctive among other hotels in in the area you
1: know one of the other really important things is that um very frequently, uh, great ideas come out of thin air, you know, Uh, or there are turning points. There are are moments that really matter. Like, for example, you're sitting at breakfast and they say that we've gone from distinctive to iconic and that the light bulb goes off for you because it it tied a couple of your important concepts together. And that's how it is for all of us. And we have to be looking for those turning point moments uh, because those moments really, if, if we ignore them, we leave we leave tons and tons of money on the table. But if we take advantage of them, we jump immediately onto the inside track and we take a shortcut right to the finish line.
2: And I think one of the questions is to, to your point, I just did a, a blog post about this, is that how would somebody else do this? Not in your industry. It wouldn't have helped the Fairmont to say, gee, what would the four seasons do? You know, what would the Phoenician do? But but it would help them to say, okay, so if Amazon was running this, how would they run it? Or if Disney right, was running this in their park, what would they do? Or if Southwest Airlines was doing this, what would they do? You know, for example, the guy that they have a train and you put, you know, parents and their kids get on this little train and it goes around the property and sees all of the lights and all the motion and everything else going on. How would Southwest do that? Well, they would tell jokes. So you get a comedy writer to write some jokes and you use that on that little train, just like a Southwest flight attendant does it when you get on a flight it's what psychologists call transpositional thinking. It's thinking in a different well, way. And someone uh, I'll else tell
1: you, I'll tell you how I, I'm the, just thinking about this, getting yeah. yourself out of your own way. It's like, uh, you know, you're thinking one way and then, well, when you immediately move over to something else and maybe it's got a fancy name, like you just said, I'm sure it does, but I just, I was thinking, you know what? It just immediately forces you to think in a different way and get out of your own way and bang, you're good yeah. to go. Very, very cool. Well,
2: yeah. And it forces you to, to eliminate, those awful things that we say like, well, we've never done it that way before. That's, that's the whole, that's the whole point. Right, <laughs> right, exactly, right? I mean, because that's how you get in your own way is, well, we've never done it that way before. I don't know if that would work. Well, hotels don't do that kind of thing. You know, I mean, all Listen, of that. next time is,
1: somebody says we've never done it that way before. Exactly. That's the point. Do the opposite. <laughs> <laughs>
2: My buddy Larry Winget has the, uh, used to tell this story about Radio Shack, and, and he said uh, uh, when they wanted his name, address, and phone number, uh, he said, "Well, I, I'm buying batteries. You don't get it. Well, we've always done it this way." He goes, "Now's your chance. Think of this your opportunity to do it differently, right here, right now." And I think that's how we have you do it. Yeah,
1: unfortunately, it. he was telling the wrong person. You know, the cashier. Those yeah. poor they, they were young kids. You know, yeah. they 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 didn't know anything. So so what. Um, so what are ways that companies can move from, uh, you know, being, uh, I was talking about another one that went from bland to distinctive, maybe not necessarily even to iconic, but you know, how do companies go from bland or, or kind of, uh, you know, just part of the mix to having some distinction? What are, what are things? Cause I, I see so many companies that just don't have what you would call distinction. Um, right. Let's, so let's just see if we can't dig in a little bit deeper and give people some tools that they can use.
2: Here's four steps. Number one, get clear. We've talked about that already. you got to get absolutely precise. you got to get so precise that when someone says, what do you do, you can answer it in six seconds. You've got to be absolutely clear. If you look at what, for example, Steve Jobs did when he first came to Apple, that's overused, but it's, it's, it's the true example. He eliminated most of the product line. A.G. Lafley at Procter & Gamble a few years back eliminated 90 different products that they, that they were selling. You get really clear about who you are. Then, once you have that clarity, now you get creative. You find one innovative thing that you can do. It, that's what's different about our business. If we just do one thing creativ- creatively, then then we can make a huge. Uh, for example, enterprise rental car. The Chevy's the same. The Ford's the same. But when they said we'll pick you up, we'll bring the car to you rather than make you go get the car. It it was the foundation of of how they became an, an iconic organization. So it just takes one unique aspect to make all the difference. Third is communication. What's the narrative? What's the story? People today won't listen to your facts and your figures and your info, but, but they will listen to a compelling story. So how do you create a compelling narrative about your business or about how you serve customers? that will get people to listen fourth is the customer experience focus where so few spend their time. You know, I spoke recently to a meeting of people that own body shops. I mean, there was like 400 people in the audience and they were all owners of car repair body shops. Not one single person in that room got in business because they wanted to serve customers. They all got in it because they wanted to be around cars. They liked working on cars, but yet I can get a dent fixed a hundred different places in town. How how will you create an experience that's so compelling when, you know, when I, Tammy and I got married, she had two teenage sons. And if if you want to watch your auto policy grow exponentially in insurance prices, you know, put two teenage boys on it. They, they sent me the first bill, Joel, and I thought it was a ransom note. It, it, I mean, it, it was just... It, it was, but so naturally we had a ding in the car and Tammy takes it to the body shop to get it repaired cuz I'm out of town and she called and the first thing she said was, "Oh my gosh cuz she, you know, she said, "Oh, here I am. I'm a, you know, a woman taking this car in and what's going to be." And she said, "Oh my gosh, they they were so nice and it was so clean you could eat off the floor." Now, where does that come into play with fixing cars? But they created an experience for her so that that was the only place that we went for car maintenance and car repair because they created a great customer experience. But yet most of those folks in that room focused on, well, could we fix the dent? Could we repair the car? Hey, you've got to have that. But everybody has that. How do you take it to to the highest level? And it's through the experience that you create for your customers. So uh, it's clarity, creativity, communication, customer experience. I
1: guess guess that clarity, uh, you have to kind of know in your business what's table stakes. No, it's fixing a car for a car repair place. is so basic. Uh, there's a company that, uh, that records all my stuff, all my meetings, and they, they do transcriptions. So the transcription is their table stakes. It's, it's everything above that. I mean, you don't get credit for your basic thing, whatever your basic thing is. Locksmiths don't get credit for opening doors. There's something extra. And, and that's what I'm hearing you say is that I think we have to separate the table stakes from everything above
2: uh, what's considered basic. You're exactly right. But for small and medium sized business, the table stakes, that's what attracted them to get in the business to begin with, which is why it's so hard, so difficult to realize that's not what's going to grow your business. That's not, you know, just there's three levels at which we interact with customers. The first level is processing, it's doing your job right i mean don't brag to me if you're an airline don't brag to me that you you're safe i i i'm buying a ticket not a chance you know what i mean don't don't brag that you're safe because i have a right to expect safety that's the basic right that's not going to separate you from the competition uh, so but what do they spend a lot of their time on and and that's hard for us in business to realize is that the very thing that attracted us what we do may not be why customers are buying what we sell.
1: Well, I think it's a very interesting way of looking at this. And my, my big takeaway, for me, the inside track, uh, there are several pieces of this here. But one is, if you separate the table stakes from everything else, what is so basic about what you do that, you know, what's the most basic part, then you can focus on the next step. I think another big yes. piece, I love the idea of putting yourself in somebody else's shoes, asking questions, what would some other company do? Uh, that is a really powerful uh, set of questions that could really take you down a path um, because that brings the best of everybody else to your environment. And that's what I love about that is
2: that it really, um, it just opens the door to some really cool ideas. Hey, and that's that's the key, isn't it? Is, is having these good ideas. Joel, we have such a luxury in our profession to be able to sit back and to examine and to study. But the people that we work with, they they get so busy doing what they do. They don't take time to think about what they do. And the generation of ideas uh, that happens when you discipline yourself to set aside time to do it, or when you're constantly thinking about it. And I I think that's part of our role is to be a catalyst to get these folks to think about those kinds of things. One of the
1: things for me is that I set aside time to be creative uh, you know, I yeah. try to have a lot of time to be creative think about new ideas and and you know a lot of people aren't creative now I'm not creative like I'm not a painter or an artist or a writer But I'm creative in just terms of coming up with ideas and everybody has some amount of creativity about what it is I, I, I tend to think that people are brilliant in the things that they enjoy uh, you know, and mm-hmm. if you every child in school is a brilliant kid in something it may not be brilliant history or math but, you, but it's the teacher's job to bring the brilliance out of the kid. And I, I really believe that. And I think a lot of children are left behind, but, but that's, you know, to me, uh, you know, we all have to find a little time to be creative. And if you don't have it, then you got to create a team, get in a mastermind, join a group, find other people, you know, uh, hang with your friends, whatever it is that you do, and then start asking these hard questions. And, and the other thing to your point that you made earlier is let's uh, you know let's uh, survey people and maybe you start by surveying your friends who've uh, used your services right. uh if you can't go to your customers and do it so you know the, the the problem with surveys and things like you're talking about these metrics a lot of times they get distorted and we don't get the right information
2: uh because so you know, true. we may ask the wrong questions or whatever but um I joked in one book that the definition of a focus group is people who drink your coffee and eat your cookies to give you opinions. They themselves did not have until this started. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I think that this political
1: climate has really taught us that polls and uh, a lot of these things really don't work because people don't want to share their intimate uh, feelings Uh, in a public way because they're afraid they're going to be yelled at or or criticized or something. So uh, it's become much more difficult in our environment to get honest feedback. And I don't know how you go about getting it, uh, but you got to get it and it's become more difficult.
2: And, and that, to, to your point, that's, that's part of why I say the, the important metric for a business to look at first and foremost is repeat business. Are our customers coming back and buying more? And if they are, then let's, let's accentuate what we're doing. That's getting them to come back. If they aren't, we, we got to change something. We got, we got to figure this out. Right. But instead they'll throw money at marketing to try to get more customers in the tent that then leave because of an inferior experience. It's 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 mind-boggling, but yet, and I, I I was a speaker a while back, Joel, for a a group of surgeons. I I was the first non-doctor to keynote the American Academy of Cosmetic Surgeons. So it's all these plastic surgeons from all over the country. And after it's over, we're we're in the bar having a drink, you know, talking about what I said, and and one of the surgeons says, you know, it, it struck me during your talk that I went through medical school, went through my internship, went through my residency, founded my practice, and I never took a single course on Bedside manner. So I started talking about that in businesses, right? So the CEO of the company I was speaking for came up and he said, that really struck me because I, re- I realized, he said, I have an MBA and I never took a course on the customer experience. Really? I think, yeah, I think we have, at some schools, have trained a generation of leaders who understand EBITDA, and they can read a, a, a balance sheet like I would read a newspaper and see things in it that I wouldn't see, but yet have not a clue about how to create experiences that are compelling and meaningful and engaging for customers that ensure they repeat and refer your business. God. You know, we're, we're sorta of out of balance. I mean, our,
1: our, yeah. uh, our education, our systems are old and, and a lot of them need to be refreshed. And, and I think that it goes back to distinction. Is uh, And clarity. I think that we don't really understand a lot of what we're doing. We just have, we educate people the way we always have, because we always have. And the world has changed, but a lot of our systems, processes, and everything has not. So uh, our government institutions, our educational institutions, um, and now you're talking about our business institutions are just not keeping up with the pace of change of our world. And uh, hey, listen, but you've given us the inside track and that's what matters.
2: I was just getting ready to say, Joel, that's why what you're doing is so important, because you're helping people who, who didn't have the opportunity to participate in the system that would keep them on. You're giving them the opportunity to get to the inside track. And that's that 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 whole part that we're doing uh, in, in terms of education and in terms of uh, insight becomes so, so valuable. Uh, in a marketplace that uh, didn't unfortunately because of old systems, get what it takes to prepare them to go to the inside track. Today. Well listen, uh, thank you very much for sharing your uh,
1: your insights uh, your your knowledge, your time. Uh, thank you for being my friend uh, you're you're just you're an awesome guy. you bring so much value to the table. We'll put your contact information and and, and other things in the show notes so people okay. can get a hold of you if they want you but um, but you're awesome and I really appreciate you being here. Yeah.
2: Hey, that works both ways. Those would be the exact words I'd use to describe you, Joel. So I I truly appreciate our friendship and appreciate how awesome you are. And and, uh, thank you for the privilege of of sharing this with you. All right. Great. Thanks, man.
0: You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com.
1: How about a shout out and a giant thanks to my podcast producer, David Wolf, and his team at Podcast and Radio Networks. Profit from the inside simply wouldn't be what it is without David and his team. For more information or to learn how you can launch and produce your own podcast, reach out to podcastandradio.com.
0: The inside track on 20 top business trends for 2020 from Joel Block. Joel's insights bring Wall Street to your street so you can profit from the inside in 2020. Just text the word TREND to 7200. That's seven two zero zero zero, And download your free copy today. Grab your phone and get the inside track on business trends that affect you and your business. Just text the word TREND to 7200 for your copy now. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.